Welcome into the weekly pickoff special awards edition where, um, you know, yet again, coming out on top. Uh, honestly, 2-0 and in my heart, 1-1 and on the weekend, truthfully. Um, Monica bringing the basement up as usual. And uh, sorry, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> oh, well, 0 for 2 doesn't feel very good. So I think I deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> So what'd you think? What'd you think about the games? Uh, just really quick, my thoughts were uh, Tom Brady, and, and you know, I texted you right before the game, like, what am I doing picking against Tom Brady? This is a mistake. Why am I doing this? And sure enough, I don't know how I haven't learned my lesson after 20 years of Tom Brady's career, but don't pick against Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And I kept pointing out to you, and I will continue to point out to you, that you said, I really want to switch my pick, mm-hmm. but I can't. Right, but because man, that's been our Aaron Rodgers chokes these games away. Okay, yeah, yeah, but you could have asked. You I gave me the asked. option a couple of weeks ago, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I don't know. I'm just saying, like. Yeah, I tried to anyway. give you the Browns instead of the Chiefs. So you did. Was, and I said, and no, I can't do it. And rightfully so. Good choice. Yes, but so here's the thing is <laughs> we both have a little bit of a dilemma because you historically have not done well when you've picked against Tom Brady. I historically now have not done well when I've picked against Patrick Mahomes. So I picked against Patrick Mahomes this week. I chose the Bills and obviously the Bills lost. So yeah. Now both of us have this dilemma going into the Super Bowl, and uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting as we talk about our picks next week. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes is twenty-five and one in his last twenty-six starts, <laughs> which is impossible. And Tom Brady wins every playoff game he's in, seemingly. Yeah. Um, so you know, I texted you immediately following the. Uh, Buccaneers game. There's no way in the world. I don't care who wins the uh, the Chiefs Bills game. I said there's no way in the world I'm picking against Tom Brady. I still have no idea who I'll be picking on next week's pod. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. So well, we'll keep it interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was it might have been Nate Burleson said something. Uh, I saw it on Instagram, but basically said it's the goat versus the kid. And obviously a, a kid is a name for a baby goat. <laughs> ah, that's funny. So, I, hadn't, I hadn't picked up on that. That's good. So we've got the uh, the goat versus the baby goat. So I don't know. It's going to be OK. Don't get me wrong. It's not the matchup I wanted, but it's still going to be an amazing game. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And, you know, this is going to be a game that assuming that Patrick Mahomes' career goes on the path that it appears to be on. Um, this is going to be a legacy game and like mm-hmm. a game we historically look back on and say, you know, again, if Patrick Mahomes were to continue his career path, we're going to put him in discussions as the greatest of all time, you know, in 15 years. And right. this game, you know, the, the the person you'll debate against him is for Tom Brady unquestionably. And yeah. if Tom Brady wins this game, it's going to be really hard to say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time. If not only did Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls, but in a head to head game Mm -hmm. had beaten Patrick Mahomes just really quickly. 
people debate about LeBron and Kobe and Michael Jordan and who's the best. None of those three players ever got to play against each other in a championship game. And if that had happened, I think that would do so much for the conversation. And here we are, we get to see Jordan against LeBron (laughs) seemingly in the NFL. What a great matchup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pumped for it. And, uh, We'll talk more next week about who we think is going to win, and we'll uh, we'll just have to see what happens with Super Bowl week. It's our first ever virtual championship week. I, I mean, Man. they're they're not going to be well. Obviously, the Bucks are going to be in Florida because they get home field advantage. What? Uh, yeah, how about, about that? Talk about unfair. I'll save my thoughts on that for next <laughs> week. Um, but the Chiefs won't be arriving in Florida until what did I hear? Like two days before the Super Bowl, and normally they're there for like the entire for a whole week. week. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're gonna just ride the wave of this uh, continually unprecedented year, and uh, Gosh. we'll see what we're talking about next week at this time. <laughs> absolutely. But hey, for today. Do you want to jump into these awards? Let's do it. This should be a lot of fun. I'm really Uh, excited to see who you picked on some of these. Oh, I am too. Okay, so for our listeners, this is the first annual Pickoff Awards. Zach and I have come up with 15 categories of awards, and each of us has come prepared with our own personal winner of each of these awards. Now, the way that this is going to work is that in order to identify a clear winner, you guys, as listeners, are going to have to hop over to our Instagram page this weekend, and you're going to have to vote for who you think got the pick correct. So make sure that you do that. Um, follow along with us and follow our stories for voting updates and things like that, and we'll uh, we'll just have to see who the clear winners turn out to be. So are we ready to jump in? We're ready. Okay, great. First up... The award for most likely to retire. Who you got on this one? Oh man, here's here's uh, one of your superlatives. I I like this actually, and and you know looking into the future is always fun. Uh, to me, you know we're we're gonna disqualify uh, Philip Rivers because sure. he's already announced it. So you know we're trying to figure out who will be. To me, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the guy's had so many injuries throughout his career, which, to his credit, he's played through. He gets banged up all the time, and and a lot of the things that he gets, you know, knee injuries and and just so many different things he struggles with. Um, he toughs it out. Um, he's got, you know, a championship. He's two championships now, and. What else does he have to play for? This was a really disappointing season for them. They st- they started twelve and zero, and you know it just just absolutely fell way below expectations. And I don't really know that he wants to stick around and deal with that again personally. So he's old too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, if I were his age, I don't know if my body would want the uh, physical toll anymore. So hey, good pick. Um. I'm going to go with a little bit of a left field answer here, and I'm going to go with Rob Gronkowski. Uh, This one for me is he came out of retirement to try to help the Buccaneers win another Super Bowl uh, with Tom Brady and with this team that they stacked in the offseason. They've gotten to the Super Bowl, and if they pull this off especially, I think Gronk's going to say, all right, 
I got another championship out of the way. I'm going back to retirement now. So my pick for most likely to retire is going to be Gronk. Sure. That's a good choice. Um, just some honorable mentions. I won't get into them, but there's one that I'll just briefly touch on. Uh, we talked about Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, uh, as an Eagles fan, Jason Kelsey, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. And then I would be pretty surprised to see Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson stick around. Uh, the Tom Brady thing to me, I would only see him retiring if he wins a championship because what more would he have to prove? <laughs> so. Yep. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Next up, we have the award for most likely to be traded. Now, this is a hot topic right now. And let me tell you, I wrote down an answer and then I read something. So I crossed it off and I wrote down (laughs) another answer and then I read something else. So I crossed it off and I went back to my (laughs) original answer. So (laughs) sounds like sounds like how I pick games, but go ahead. So my answer for this one for most likely to be traded is Jalen Hurts. Now, let me tell you. Wow. 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 Okay. Go ahead. Uh, So one of the things that came out as the Philadelphia Eagles were interviewing coaches was that they really believe that Wentz can be quote unquote fixed. Um, And so they believe that he is their guy and they were looking for somebody that could coach him well, which I think is probably a fair analysis. Uh, Their new coach, Nick Sirianni, has a history of creating comeback players of the year. Fun fact. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just think that if they're going to stick with Wentz, it's really hard to keep Hurts, so why not trade him and get some value for him? But the reason I crossed his name out was because then I read a report that the uh, Florida coach that they just hired to be their quarterbacks coach has known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, so maybe I have to choose Wentz. But then I read another report that said – It is presumed that that's just a coincidence. It really has nothing to do with their quarterback choice and everything to do with the way that this coach coaches quarterbacks. So that's why I then crossed off Wentz and went back with my original pick of Jalen Hurts. (laughs) What a a journey that was. (laughs) What Uh, a journey. (laughs) What a journey. Uh, So personally, I am expecting Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz to both be on the roster. Week one, I would be surprised, but... Crazier things have happened, and uh, yeah, we'll see if you you nail this. It'll be cool to look back and see how many of these we were right on, because some of these are predictive, such as the you know most likely to retire, most likely to be traded, and sure. uh, you know maybe we'll do just a, a brief recap of of these superlatives and see how close were we. But um, yeah, to me, it's Odell Beckham Jr. and it wasn't particularly close. And, and here's the reason is not because Odell Beckham Jr. is bad, uh, but because his contract is expensive. And we have clearly seen now for two seasons in a row, Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback or at least plays the position better without Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. It is totally illogical to say that sentence. But when you look at how he plays, he just distributes the ball better. The offense runs more efficiently. When you don't have to give Odo Beckham Jr. 10 targets a game, which in theory should really be good for your team because we've seen him be completely special. But uh, there's so many wide receiver needy teams in the NFL, teams that will pay at least a second or a third round pick for Odo Beckham Jr. Um, And you can unload that contract. I I don't see uh, a situation where a player 
a team can feel like they're getting rid of a player and benefiting because of it, you know, addition by subtraction. And then they will also receive some draft compensation to do it. So to me, it just makes the most possible sense for the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree with you. I think that's a really good choice. And I, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with OBJ and even a couple of other wide receivers. I'm not quite sure who yet, but I think that we could see some big wide receiver uh, trades happen in the off season. So it'll be interesting to see. Our next category is most likely to move from backup to starter. Now, we automatically go to quarterback in this category, I think, uh, but this could be for any position. So what do you think? Yeah, I think the easiest one for me, and I have two answers. I'll give you one hard one because, you know, I want to give you one so we have something to vote on. Uh, My two answers are uh, Taysom Hill and Tony Pollard. Uh, Taysom Hill would obviously be directly if uh, Drew Brees retired, but my answer is going to be Tony Pollard because I just expect the Cowboys to, it's a similar situation with Odell Beckham Jr., to Mm -hmm. look and realize Tony Pollard played better football than Ezekiel Elliott last year. The team was better with Tony Pollard, and honestly, Tony Pollard's a better receiver than Ezekiel Elliott. And when you have Dak Prescott, who's throwing for 500 yards a game, you want a receiving back to compliment him. And Tony Pollard clearly proved that he can do what they need him to do. He is so underpaid. He's still on his rookie deal. Ezekiel Elliott, I think has the third highest contract for a running back in the league. Maybe it's the second highest. It's high. It's It's up there and it is hard. They're about to pay Dak Prescott this off season. They're going to have to make cuts somewhere. And to me, Ezekiel Elliott is high on the list of who could get moved on from. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I think that we probably had pretty similar veins of thought in this one because my answer is Taysom Hill. And I think that one is very obvious. There were uh, some reports that came out um, a couple weeks ago that Drew Brees is retiring. We don't know for sure if that's true, but you know that I said at the beginning of this season that, well, my full statement was the Saints will win the Super Bowl and Drew Brees will retire, but those two things were not mutually exclusive. So I do think that, um, Drew Brees is going to retire. I think that there's probably some truth to that article. And I really do think that Taysom Hill did a really stand-up job. Nobody expected him to be a backup quarterback. They expected him to be kind of a gadget player, you know? He comes in and he runs the ball when, you know, they have a, a third and one, a fourth and one. He can receive. He can do what he needs to do. He can get in the end zone when they're on the goal line. But um, nobody really expected him to come in and be the guy that was going to lead this team. And for five or six weeks, he did. Um, and he played very, very well. And he helped his team. You and I talk a lot about quarterbacks who help their team. And Taysom Hill did that. And the fact that they didn't just, you know, bench him after the first week and say, oh, well, we gave you a shot and it didn't work. No, 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 no. It worked. They didn't have to bench him. And he was the guy until Drew Brees returned from injury. So um, I really do think that that Taysom Hill is in a really, really good spot to become the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I want probably the most important stat for a quarterback is completion percentage. Taysom Hill in 2018 completed 42% of his whole seven attempts. He completed 50% 
of his six attempts in 2019. He completed 73% of his passes this year, starting six games. Yeah. Excuse me. He started eight games. I apologize. Wow. It was he that looks many? like a real quarterback. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Eight starts. Wow. Yeah. He's uh, the you real know deal. what? Hold on. There's an asterisk there. Sometimes they start him as a player that isn't a quarterback. So uh, uh, his quarterback okay. record is three and one. So he started four games at quarterback. So excuse me. Okay. But still, okay. 73% completion is top of the league. Nobody yep. else is doing that. And I don't yeah. expect that to continue, but he clearly showed he is ready. If yeah, Drew absolutely. Reason's absolutely. Yeah. And I love that we're talking about this because this leads us to our next award, which is best performance by a backup quarterback. And surprise, surprise, I'm giving this award to none other than Taysom Hill for that exact <laughs> reason. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, no question. So are you looking at this as more of an individual game or as just he came in for the four games, won three, completed a ton of passes? Like, how are you looking at it? Just so we can frame it for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, so you can look at this however you want to, really, because there were some backup quarterbacks who came in for a game. There were some who came in for half a game. But I'm looking at this as more of like best overall performance, no matter gotcha. how how much, um, you know, the quarterback played. Um, I just think that overall, when there were so many backups that had to come into games this season, you and I rattled off a ton the other day. So I just think that, you know, when you rattle off all those names, Taysom Hill is the one that to me really stands out as the one who did the overall best job. Sure. If that's the way you're looking at the question, no question. I, I think you have the right answer. Um, I took it from a different perspective and sure. I took it as an individual performance. And so when I looked at, okay, what games did backup quarterbacks play in? Did they have to come in during the game? Were they just the starter because the player had been injured the previous week, whatever? Nick Foles came in, I believe it was week four mm. against the Atlanta Falcons. And they were down 16 points. And Nick Foles, first possession he's in the game, he throws an interception. Not not very good for my argument here. <laughs> the, rest, the rest of the game, and after this interception, ESPN Stats and Info put their winning chance percentage at 0.7%. Oh in other words, God. Atlanta has a 99.3% chance to win the game. The next four possessions, touchdown pass Nick Foles, touchdown pass Nick Foles, Touchdown pass, Nick Foles, taking a knee because you won the game. He absolutely won them that game, a game that they had no chance to win, you know, statistically no chance to win. And he came in and did everything that Mitch Trubisky couldn't do. And to me, that was the performance of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we are Nick Foles fans, so I'm not going to argue with that at all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, let's talk a little bit of fantasy here for a second. All right. um, let's go best non-quarterback fantasy performance of the 2020 season. And again, this is just like our quarterback question. You can take this as overall or you can take it as a single performance. Um, it's really up to you. Sure. Uh, so I picked Tyreek Hill, uh, and I am thinking specifically of one performance, and I'm thinking of the game, the Super Bowl preview, when they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
This man had 13 catches, 269 yards and three touchdowns. He had 203 yards in the first quarter. That's impossible. That's literally not possible. And he, he, in a game that meant, I think, even more than we knew that it meant at the time, showed up, showed out, and, you know, I, I joked with you, you know, after the first quarter, he was on pace for, what was it, what did I say, 812 yards. Like, yeah. obviously, no person's, <laughs> you know, completing that pace, but my goodness, there is no player in the NFL with the speed that he has, with the talent that he has, he can just literally win you a game. There are no players in the NFL, I really can say, that player will win you a game other than a quarterback or Aaron Donald. To me, those are the <laughs> only people that I could say that about. And Tyreek Hill absolutely wins them games. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you sure. have? Uh, okay, so this one, my answer is probably going to be a little bit unique. I I went based on one specific week, and you know this story, so let me fill our listeners in. So for me, I'm giving this award to Trey Burton, the tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> so, so here was my predicament, and I can't. I'm like looking at my fantasy roster, and I can't find who the other tight end was that I had, but. Here's what happened. So my main tight end was Jared Cook. Uh, this was a deep league. So, I, I mean, he was he was a decent starting tight end for me. But he was on a bye. So this was week six. Uh, I had another tight end who I think was injured. And I'm desperate at this point. Like, I am trying to maintain first place in my fantasy division. I'm messaging people in the league. I'm saying, give me your tight end from your bench. You know, like, I'll, I'll give you another tight end. Just give me your tight end from your bench for this week. And nobody was biting. And so, finally, I had to go on the waiver wire, and I'm like, who's available? All right. Well, Trey Burton is available. He was great when he played for the Eagles. He's been kind of injured. You know, he's only been back from injury for, like, two weeks. Not really sure how he fits into the Colts scheme, but it's fine. Maybe he'll get me two or three points and that's two or yeah. three more than I would have if Jared cook was on my roster with a buy. Right. Let me just okay. give two seconds of perspective here because most people would say, how in the world was there not a better tight end available? <laughs> um, we're in a 14 team league. I, I'm in this league with Monica. We're yeah. in a 14 team league. It's bare. Like there's it's nobody cool. in waivers because our rosters are normal size, but then right. you have two other teams worth of players that are not on waivers. So Trey Burton quite literally was probably the best tight end available. Anyway. Oh continue. yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So when we say deep league, we mean deep league. Uh, <laughs> so he ends the game. They played Cincinnati. He ends the game. He only had four receptions, but he had 58 yards and two total touchdowns. So he had uh, one rushing yard, one rushing touchdown. He had 58 receiving yards, one touchdown reception, and then obviously each reception gets four points. He ended with 21.9 points, which is more than most tight ends get in a week. So my desperate attempt <laughs> for a tight end who could maybe get me two or three points got me 22. So thank you, Trey Burton. And you receive my award for best non-quarterback fantasy performance. This award for your sake should be 
uh, renamed Monica's best non-quarterback <laughs> fantasy performance. This is very specific to you, but yes, it a is a great but story. Hey, a great story. Yes, it's my award to give, so I give it <laughs> with my heart. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, next award. We're still talking fantasy here. We've got a non-injury fantasy bust. Now I had to cheat on this one a little bit. Um, so the, I'm just going with the first person that came to mind. And for me, that is Zach Ertz. Two years ago, he would have been a tight end that was going high in a fantasy draft because he was guaranteeing you a ton of points every week. He was the leading receiver for the Eagles. He broke an Eagles record. He was scoring touchdowns. Like if they were losing a game, you knew that the ball was going to go to Zach Ertz and you knew that he was going to catch it this year was totally different. And, and where I cheated on this a little bit is yes, he was injured for a couple of weeks, but this is not counting those weeks even before and after his injury. He was a total bust, total bust. Uh, just totally worthless in fantasy. And I I didn't draft him in any of my leagues, but anytime I went up against somebody who had him on their active roster, I would just shake my head because I was like, he's not going to get them any points. Like, this is just sad. Um, he, He was not, he was hardly receiving, you know? And when he was receiving, he had like no yards after the catch. And he had a couple of touchdowns, but not anything near what his fantasy value used to be. So... That's who I'm going with. Yeah, honestly, that's a pretty good pick. Um, Part of this question to me, when you bust, it's about what what did you cost to get? And Zach Ertz, um, I'm looking at ADP right now, average draft position for 2020. And Zach Ertz is about the 57th player off the board. So, you know, a a uh, would that be a mid fifth round pick, maybe a late fifth round pick. Um, in most leagues, um, that's decent capital. Like you're spending a good pick. Um, the player that I picked though was going 17th overall Ooh. and, uh, excuse me, 19th overall Lamar Jackson, um, mm. who had a fine season, but when you spend the 19th overall pick, you can't get a fine season. You pick Lamar Jackson to be better than every other quarterback in the league, or at least better than everyone, but Mahomes and he was the 10th quarterback. And if you're in a 10 or a 12 team league, that means that most weeks he was lesser than the quarterback you played against. Yeah. And that kills you. You need 35 point fantasy games from a guy that you take in the second round like that. Let me just name you some players that are going around Lamar Jackson. that You could have had if you took Lamar Jackson. He went 19th. 22nd was Travis Kelsey. Just dominant. The advantage that Travis mm. Kelsey is mm-hmm. over other tight ends. You know, I just talked about you want to win that matchup. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey is a win every single week. DeAndre Hopkins was a pick later than Travis Kelsey. Uh, you have Jonathan Taylor, who really came on at the end of the year. Um, one pick ahead of Lamar Jackson. So in some leagues, uh, Lamar Jackson would have been taken before Tyreek Hill. You're literally giving away Tyreek Hill to take Lamar Jackson. There were great quarterbacks that went later in in rounds. Like you had Aaron Rodgers had a great season. Dak Prescott went later, had a great beginning of the season, and then got hurt. So you obviously could have replaced him with someone. Um, Russell Wilson went later. He had a good season. Kyler Murray went later. He had a good season. 
Josh Allen went really late and had a great <laughs> season. Yeah. Um, any of those guys you're spending a much later pick for and you get to add a Tyreek Hill to your team or someone in that range. And to me, the cost, it was just killer for Lamar Jackson. He just, you can't get the 10th best finish from the number one quarterback drafted. That just is, is brutal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit the other day. We're really excited to get into some of this fantasy football talk yes. uh, later in the off season because you definitely have some over under stuff going on where you have um, some players who underperformed and you have some players who overperformed and then you have some players who were exactly where they need to be. So I'm excited to talk about some of that and hear maybe some of your thoughts on where Lamar is going to fall next year. So yeah, um, good thoughts. Uh, okay. So we complained a little bit, so let's go back to a positive note. This next <laughs> award <laughs> is for the breakout player of the year. Tell me who you got. Well, I think we may agree for our first pick and I have Josh Allen. Uh, when okay. you look at what he did this season, uh, comparatively to the previous season. Uh, 3,000 passing yards last season, 4,500 this season. Completed 58% of his passes last season, 69% completion this year. Those two jumps are astronomical. I don't know that I've seen a player, and Josh Allen started full-time in both the last two seasons. I don't think I've ever seen a jump to that degree. He added 17 passing touchdowns this season, and he decreased his fumbles by five. Every single place you look in Josh Allen's game, he took a massive step forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he just showed that he belongs in that conversation of MVP candidates. Um, he is no longer along for the ride on a good Buffalo Bills defensive team. He is part of the reason why they matter and why they're competing. And so to me, that improvement was just, I did not see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have Josh Allen in one of my award categories, but it's actually not this one. Um, oh. So I actually, for breakout player of the year, gave this to a rookie and I'm going with Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, he, I think, was a little bit overshadowed in the 2020 draft, especially by Joe Burrow when you have a quarterback going first overall, when you have a Heisman winner, things like that. Um, I think it, it just, I mean, we've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. We've even seen it with Lamar. We've seen it with some of these other guys where you just get a little bit overshadowed. And Justin Herbert, uh, he had 4,336 yards. That's sixth overall. Uh, in the NFL. He had 31 touchdowns, 10th overall, uh, and he had the 13th highest rating or highest quarterback rating uh, in the whole league. That That's, um, you know, in the top half of the league for a rookie. Um, it, it's just, I think that he came in and he showed that he is absolutely worth the draft pick that he I mean he was a pretty high draft pick but he was absolutely worth it for the Chargers he is the guy they can build a future around him and he can be relied on as the leader of a team and so I'm just really excited um to watch him as the Chargers continue to rebuild I think that he proved himself and um I just 
I think that he gives or he deserves a little bit more credit than people are giving him. So that's why I gave him this award. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with a lot of what you said there. And I had said early on, maybe week four, or week five, that I mm-hmm. thought that uh, Herbert was the best quarterback in the class. And uh, he was not given that kind of a respect uh, during the draft, during conversations, fantasy football related. And uh, gosh, when you think about even Jordan Love got more talk mm-hmm. than he did. You know, he mm-hmm. went behind Aaron Rodgers and, you know, he wasn't going to see the light of day, but it created drama. And like Herbert really was the forgotten guy. But oh, for uh, sure, he's not forgotten anymore. That's for no. sure. It'll be really interesting to see where he goes in fantasy football drafts because what a rookie season that was. I think he has the record for most touchdowns ever for a rookie. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even though the Chargers, I mean, they had an okay season, but he was very, very fun to watch. Um, yes. And I mean, we don't hear on live TV, we don't always get Chargers games because they're out of network. But, um, you know, when, when we were able to watch him or when he would pop up on red zone or whatever, it's like, man, this kid is for real. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited He's to continue accurate, watching him. Got an arm. Looks oh yeah, great. Yep. for sure. All right. So next award, we're going to move on to the most surprising team of 2020. Tell me who you've got on this one. Your heart will be very happy for this. <laughs> I have Monica's Cleveland Browns. Here we go, brownies. Yes. <laughs> so... This isn't about the 11 and 5 record. This isn't about honestly how they played in the regular season. And that does contribute to this, no question. This is about going into Pittsburgh in a playoff game against a mostly healthy Pittsburgh team and absolutely blowing the doors off of them. Now, the final score doesn't show that they blow the doors off of them, but but they did. <laughs> they, they almost put up 50 points on them. Like they did everything right. And I, you know, we said something about sending them to their rooms and they learned a <laughs> lesson and, you know, they're at the little kids table and all this stuff. They have arrived. Now yep. they can choose to go right back where they were last year, or they can stay here. And I certainly hope for their sake, you know, they continue to build on this. Um, but they, I, there's no way in the world I was going to pick the Browns to beat the Steelers in that game because the Steelers own them. They absolutely have owned them year after year after year. Juju Smith-Schuster said it best, although he ended up being incorrect. Oh, it's just the Browns. We know who they are. Like, it's the Browns. There are, you know, he didn't say this, but they're our little brother. They're the, you know, the little brother beat the big brother this time. And now you have to start worrying if the little brother might be better than the big brother going on here. Um, especially, gosh, if Big Ben retires. So uh, give me the Browns, and I don't think it was particularly close for me on this one. You can't see me right now, but I'm doing a little dance because I <laughs> called it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. All right. Well, I am so glad that you chose the Browns, um, which I they were, they were a really close second for me. Um, <gasps> I, you didn't choose the Browns? I didn't what? choose the Browns. Um, well, see, here's the thing before the season started, I did some predictions and I went and I like did a whole, like I, I used a, a Super Bowl prediction generator and I went and I like predicted everybody's, um, season records and who would win each division and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have the Browns doing 
all that badly. So I think there was a part of me that actually expected them to be a better team this season. Um, okay. And so it was hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, they really surprised me. Um, I mean, they did and they didn't. So actually, I'm giving this award to the Dolphins. Um, I, I did expect the Dolphins to be a little bit better this year. But what I did not expect was for them to have a top five defense for, you know, the majority of the season. I just every week I feel like we were talking about the Dolphins defense and you know they were forcing turnovers and you were getting defensive scores and I mean the the Dolphins weren't terrible on offense but for what the offense lacked the defense made up for and they were giving teams real trouble I mean I think the Chiefs almost had a hard time beating them in Miami if I'm not mistaken um and so I, I was just, I was blown away every week. I could not believe that their defense was ranked as high as they were. Um, it felt like a total overnight turnaround and I was, I was shocked and it's to the point where like most weeks I didn't have words and sometimes I still don't. So the dolphins are getting my vote on this one. This is going to be really interesting. You're, you're gonna, your brain is about to explode. Go ahead. Continue. My brain's about to explode. Okay, well, is that because we're moving on to our award for most disappointing team? We sure are. And okay. I am taking the Miami Dolphins. What? No. And here is why. And here no, no, is why. No. Here is why. Here is why. Look, first of all, 11 and 5 is a good season. Oh, and it's the quarterback thing. It has to be the quarterback it's thing. It's the quarterback thing. And it's completely, you know what we say, you know, and, and we'll discuss this more next week, but Matt LaFleur got in the way of Aaron Rodgers winning that game on Sunday. He absolutely, you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time and you, you got in his way and no, that is not, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but you clearly have a quarterback playing better than the future. That is Tua. stop getting in his way. They couldn't decide who the guy was. Like, they just kept going back and forth and back and forth. When clearly Fitzpatrick was the better player all year long. This is a team that probably should have gone 12-4 and four based on their defense. And they end up, was it 10-6, and six, I believe. And, you know, they, they lose by 30 points to get into the playoffs. They gave up 56 points to Buffalo. And honestly, Tua did nothing in the first half. And... You chose to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick yet again. When I think of disappointment, what I think of is you could have been this, but instead you were only this. And mm-hmm. as we went along, we saw a five-game winning streak You know, in the middle of, of November. Uh, they played good football. They gave Kansas City probably the best run in a loss of any team. And they just couldn't get out of their own way and I'll take Miami because when you have a good thing going, when you have a historic defense like they had this year, get out of your team's way. Stop trying to overthink it. Fitzpatrick was the better quarterback this year. That's it. Hmm. Wow. So it's interesting because the reason why I took them as my most surprising team was different than the reason why you took them as your most disappointing team. So at least we weren't 
totally clashing on that, but no. And, and admittedly they did surprise for their record. Like, I don't think people thought they were going to win 10 games this year. No, I think people thought they were going to be six and 10, seven and nine, you know, somewhere in there. Um, but once we went along in the season, you know, they were, what was it? Uh, they were six and three at one point. Okay. We see you're doing things. They're just, I mean, they are shutting some teams out. They're keeping a lot of teams under 20 points. Like we see what you're doing. We see that you're good. Now you collapse in the last game of the season. And it's because you've been flip-flopping quarterbacks all year long. No one knows who to have their confidence in. You just, it was such a, like, you just got in your own way. It just was so dumb. So dumb. Yeah. All right. Well, my most disappointing team was actually the Seahawks. Um, Sure. And that's because... Early in this, or I shouldn't even say early in the season, before the season even started, I was looking at the Seahawks and I was saying, man, this team wants to win. Like, I was looking at the talent they were adding in the offseason. I was looking at the way that they had ended their previous season. I was looking at um, really just all of the different things going into um, this 2020 season, and they started off fine. But then it just kind of was a steady decline from there. Um, I I don't understand, um, you know, why both their defense and their offense in different ways were very up and down. It was a very much like a roller coaster. It was like some weeks the defense decided that they were going to like hold off their opponents and not let them score. And then the next week it was like, the defense or the offense was just going to walk all over them. Um, There were some weeks where Russell Wilson would put up a great amount of points. And then there were other weeks where, you know, they couldn't score more than two touchdowns. And it's like, what the heck is even going on? Their offensive line was abysmal. Their secondary was horrible. I, it was like everything that they should have been and could have been was not there. And I definitely, before the season started would have told you, you know what? The Seahawks might make it to the Super Bowl. But then as the season went on, once we probably got to about week six or seven, I was like, no, this, this team's not going to make it. Like I was not surprised that they didn't make it past the first round of the playoffs um, because they did what they've did all, what they've done all season. And that is just totally implode. And so I wanted better for the Seahawks and I didn't get it, which was very unfortunate. So, um, with that, let's move on to our pick for play of the year. And this is going to turn into a little bit of a uh, conversation about the Miami Dolphins because my pick for this one was week 16. The, is it the face mask? Oh, yes. It is oh the face mask. Oh, my gosh. What a play that was. The, the, I was, like, racking my brain. I was like, there were so many good plays, and I was like – I was like, I'm just going to go through. I'll watch like some of the best plays from each week. And as I was in the middle of watching week one, I was like, nope, wait, nope, I've got it. I know what the play is. So this is, it was the very end. Uh, The Dolphins were in Las Vegas playing the Raiders. The Raiders had just gone up on top. Um, I believe it was on a really long, like 80 some yard touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar. And, um, the Dolphins had a very small amount of time to come back and win. And 
Fitzpatrick is in the game. This is what drew what, drove you what, crazy because he was their what relief quarterback pitcher. was in the game. What it was Fitzpatrick. Was to your point, oh, it was Fitzpatrick. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. And yep. Uh, you know he he uh, he gets the ball. He takes a few steps back in the pocket. The pocket starts to collapse. A defensive lineman is basically like ripping his head off of his shoulders, like by the face mask, and he gets this pass off perfectly to the sideline. Matt Collins catches it, gets both of his feet down in bounds, and then like falls out of bounds, which was able to yeah. stop the clock for the Dolphins was- to win the game. And it was Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't couldn't even see what he was doing and the pass was perfect. I, his I think- head was literally facing the sideline. Like it- he could not possibly see the receiver. There's and he no threw way. a 30, 35 yard pass perfectly accurate while he's just getting i mean they're cheating they're grabbing uh-huh. his face mask and turning uh-huh. it uh-huh that's they a hard pass to complete they cheated it came back to bite him. yeah exactly exactly so it was just i've never seen anything like that before so that is my play of the year and that was in week 16 and uh ryan fitzpatrick won them the game on that unbelievable play something we've never seen before and how do the dolphins reward him by starting to the very next week can i anyway can i just really quick i'm pretty sure that ryan fitzpatrick did have covid in week 17 sure so So he right so to be fair though they had named two of the starter like a day after the game and then three days after that ryan fitzpatrick found out with covid so Yes, but whatever. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Tell me your play of the year. It's DK Metcalf. Uh, he chased down uh, Buda Baker on that interception, terrible interception by Russell Wilson. And I watched the play like three times today. And it's just <laughs> the definition of effort and athleticism. Uh, when the interception happens, Buda Baker is already five yards ahead of DK Metcalf with a little bit of a running start because he closed on the football Hmm. and DK Metcalf is at a dead stop because he was going down the field and now has to reverse direction. Yeah. So he caught up to Buda Baker with the other player having a five yard head start. He was five yards or six yards or seven yards closer to the sideline than DK Metcalf is. So, you know, you got to do your math and your, you know, hypotenuses and all that, whatever. And he still got to him and saved a touchdown and not only saved the touchdown, but you know, the defense would go on to hold them from scoring any points on that drive. So he literally saved seven points on a play that 99 other out of a hundred times, the guys wouldn't even try because it's an interception for a touchdown. Like it is over. There's no chance. DK Metcalf is six foot five and probably ran about a four, two on that play. There is no way anyone that size should run that fast. And not only did he do those two things, but he gave the effort of a person that's barely going to make the roster and is fighting for their life. That guy is going to get paid as the best receiver in the league. At some point, he's going to sign a contract at some point where he gets, he's going to break the record for the receiver. Cause you know, anytime these guys come up, they, they always break the record, whatever. He has no reason to need to give that effort other than he wanted to. And he did it. Oh, I loved watching that play. Completely agree. The Ryan Fitzpatrick play was unbelievable. 
it was it almost felt a little fluky and i don't want to take anything away from him because he threw an amazing pass dk metcalf there was nothing fluky about that he completely efforted that play so sure sure that's all i would say two amazing plays for very different reasons yes absolutely Yeah. Okay. So moving on, uh, we're going to go with coach of the year. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts on this. You've, you've mentioned a couple of things here and there. Um, but if I may, I am actually going to go with Kevin Stefanski on this one. Um, you know, for, (laughs) for a team like the Cleveland Browns, who has been historically miserable, who has not made the playoffs in, I don't even know how many years it's been anymore, um, who was at the kitty table, as we so eloquently mm-hmm. said earlier in the season, to bring them not only through the wild card, but actually to have a chance in the divisional game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, not to mention, I don't know if this is going to help my case or hurt my case, but the dude, like, had COVID and couldn't travel with the team one of those weeks to coach. So like essentially he can coach without even being there. I mean, what kind of faith must you have in your coordinators and in your assistants and even in your team to be able to draw up a game plan and not even be there to execute it? I mean, I just think that he is a great young mind. I think that he has done great things to help turn the Browns around this season. Um, and I think that he deserves a big mention for that because, you know, they may not have had the the best record in the league. They may not have gotten to the Super Bowl, but they did incredible things that they have not done in a long time. Um And not to mention, I mean, just some of the stuff that they were doing offensively, Baker Mayfield definitely has grown as a player, and you have to attribute some of that to coaching. We looked at some of those runs that uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were both doing. Um, You know, they lose Odell Beckham Jr. early, and he still is able to make things work with the other receivers that he has. And it's just, you know, a lot of that is so much coaching. And uh and yeah, I my hat is off to Kevin Stefanski on this one. He is my coach of the year. Yeah, uh, Kevin Stefanski would absolutely be my coach of the year, if not for one play, because the margin was so close to me with Andy Reid. It was so close. Like, it's almost a coin flip. And I think Kevin Stefanski would have just edged him out. But that Andy Reid play where Chad Henney was in the game, oh. and they absolutely should have punted it. The correct, like logical play is look your defense has been good enough to get you here you've got a backup quarterback don't risk it just punt the ball all you have to do is play decent defense and you win the game you're done and he said no my offense is good enough i have faith in my quarterback tyreek hill is good enough we know that Mm. and he put all his chips down man if they if they didn't complete that play he looks like a moron and they said you know, he sets the other team up in just unbelievable field position. He did it. Oh, man, I just was so impressed. Here's the thing to me that's not just one play, because one play does not make a coach of the year. Um, they won the Super Bowl last year. They went 12-4. and four. They improved this year. They went 14-2. and two. You know, one of the things that's hardest in the NFL is sustained success. It's It's not easy. Easy is the wrong word. But, like, it is possible to win a Super Bowl – And then you have a big decline. We've Mm -hmm. seen that from Philadelphia. We've seen that from Seattle had a a decent bit of a decline after they won their Super Bowl. 
you know, we the Baltimore Ravens won their Super Bowl on what was it, 2013 or something like that, and haven't really done anything since. And, you know, over the last couple of years, they finally started to retool and rebuild. But like it is hard to maintain success. And Andy Reid does it year after year. They scored more points than they scored last year. Every year they get coaches picked off from them because Andy Reid is an unbelievable leader who hires great coaches, who trains great coaches. And, you know, guys get taken from him every year. And he still puts a good coaching staff together. Players leave his team because they can go make more money elsewhere because the Chiefs only have so much money they're allowed to spend. And because they're always on display in Super Bowls and big games, Guys get notoriety playing on the Chiefs and they leave the Chiefs because they can go make $5 million more a year somewhere else. It's just the economics of the NFL. And Mm -hmm. he still produces great football teams. And Patrick Mahomes obviously has a lot to do with that. But who's Patrick Mahomes coach? Like, you know, the question was always with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, like, what's the reason for the success? Tom Brady's clearly a great reason for the success. But even with this season, don't pretend like Bill Belichick wasn't great. You know, let's, let's just, let's look at consistency and Andy Reid brings that. And then that Chad Henney play was so ballsy. It was so good. There's no reason he should have done that except for the fact that it was the right thing to do because that's how good of a coach he is. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so this next award, I find it very difficult for us to disagree on this one. Yeah, this is going to be our first agreement, and it there's is. no way there's no because, way you choose against. Go ahead. No, there's After no you. way that your comeback player of the year cannot be Alex Smith. Yeah, it's there's no question. This guy had 17 surgeries. I, 17. He almost died. He literally almost died. He had uh, his infection was septic. Um, there was a doctor, a surgeon at one point that explained to him, you're no longer dealing with something that we would see as a sports injury. You're dealing with something that is much more like a military combat injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of, you know, we all know or know of a veteran that doesn't get around the same way that they used to. Sure. Um, because they, you know, they made that kind of a sacrifice. And that's so awesome. And obviously we're not trying to compare Alex Smith to that, but when you think of the things that military people have to go through, (laughs) Alex Smith sustained that on a football field from a tackle. Right. Right. His, his bone basically exploded. I mean, if you've ever watched any kind of a diagram or anything on what a spiral fracture is, your bone basically twists until it explodes. His bone exploded and he went on. He he came back in the NFL at 36 years old. He had six touchdowns and eight interceptions. Admittedly, that's not very good. But 1,500 yards and six starts and he completed two thirds of his passes. And not what to mention. What more could you possibly his, want? His team played better when he played. Yes, absolutely. That was, the, that was the key to me because it was always if Alex Smith is starting, they're going to win. And if he's not, they definitely had a better shot. That's for sure. Yeah. If he's not playing, 
they're probably going to lose. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I like held my breath every time he took the field because I was like, what is going to happen to this guy if he takes a sack or, you know, like I just, I, I don't, I was like so scared if, if I was his wife, I don't know how I would have been comfortable with letting him play football again. Well, do you remember, do you remember his first start was against the Rams and Aaron Donald? Yes. That's not right. No. But, you know, obviously no. got through the game. And, and then they you know. panned to his family in the stands because it was oh. like the first week that they could be back there in person watching. And, oh, gosh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the dude is – he's superhuman. He's incredible. I don't know that he'll continue to play in the NFL <laughs> after this. But, uh, man, what a comeback. What a comeback. What a comeback. All right, so let's move on to a fun one here. Who do you think is the most likely to stir up some uh, off-season controversy? Well, I think this is going to be a little bit drummed up from the media because of the way the game ended. Um, but to me, it's Aaron Rodgers. And, and I think that he will, you know, he's a very ambiguous person he doesn't word things in a way that end speculation or conversation he's very introspective and is willing to talk about things like that and i don't think that when opportunities are given to him to quell questions about him maybe wanting to move on uh, not that his contract really allows that but you know anyone can be traded and and the packers clearly have no reason to trade aaron Rodgers. he's you know Uh, He had his best season of his career this year, Um, but he, given what Matt LaFleur took away from him, in my opinion, uh, could just, you know, he just saw Tom Brady join a seven and nine team and go to a Super Bowl. like Aaron Rodgers could do that. You know why? Why he's been underappreciated with Green Bay Mm -hmm. and they they refuse to draft a wide receiver in the first round for him. Uh, there's just so many reasons that Aaron Rodgers could choose to push his way out or just even make things a little uncomfortable for the management in Green Bay. And any bit of that that the media can grab, they will, because it's Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, he's a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, Yeah, to me, I don't know if, he's the, like the most likely to intentionally cause it necessarily, but that's going to be, I think the loudest noise in the off season of like discontent. Like that's, what's going to get talked about the most. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think it's very possible. And I think that narrative was very set up by the whole drafting of trading up to draft Jordan love uh, last year. So We'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. The other one that I'm keeping an eye on is Deshaun Watson. We've already heard some rumbling that he wants out of Houston. He wants a trade. Um, Not really sure where he's going to end up, what that market's going to look like. But we have just seen like he he's he's a top quality quarterback. There are a lot of people who um, are analyzing him. He should be in the top five. And the team that has been surrounding him has just not 
allowed him to be that. Um, and, and I think it's tough, you know, you trade away your best receiver, you have another receiver who, uh, you know, is suspended for performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> you know, you, you have all these things you have, you have a coach who is horrible and gets fired and then you have a horrible season and you can't win games and you have, J.J. Watt going to the media saying we need to do better than this because we have fans that care about us and it's just it's not a good situation for Deshaun uh you know I think that he uh he wants out of that and I don't know I don't know how easy that's going to be for him I don't exactly know what's going to happen uh but I think that there could be some controversy there as far as his whole trade situation goes so we'll just have to wait and see I, I'm not going to try to speculate any scenarios here. Yeah, and it's so rare that guys that young with that much talent get moved. Um, so it would just explode if it really heats up. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is probably my favorite award, and we will <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on to this one, and then we'll finish up with our picks for the big one, which is MVP. So. Uh, this is our award for most likely to make a debut in an insurance commercial. We have seen many NFL players, uh, you know, becoming spokespeople for um, multiple insurance companies. We've seen Peyton Manning for Nationwide. We have seen uh, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes for State Farm. And obviously we have Baker Mayfield, who is defending his house for Progressive. So, um I'm going to go purely for financial reasons <laughs> oh, no. with Philip Rivers, because oh, as you no. talked about earlier this season, he has a lot of mouths to feed and he just <laughs> announced his retirement. So I think that he's due for his uh, appearance in an insurance commercial. Oh, my gosh. That is so, so wrong and yet so right <laughs> all at the same time. Yes, Philip Rivers will need to keep accumulating money uh, when you've got forty-seven kids. I mean, it's just really hard. I don't know how many he has. I think it. I think it might be like nine or ten or something like that. I think it might be even more than that. I'm I thought really it was sure. eight, got, but I could was be wrong. Eight? He's got a lot of kids. I know that, and he gets made fun of a little bit for it. But uh, uh, yeah, that would be good. And he's funny. Like I don't know if you've ever he watched is. any of his interviews. Oh yeah. Oh he's, for sure. He's funny. I would love to see that. The direction that I went was Rob Gronkowski, and I even I'll even I uh, even get specific with you. Uh, he's gonna go and he's gonna uh, advertise for Allstate, and here's why: <laughs> is because you know those commercials where they say "Be protected from mayhem" with yes. Allstate. Yes. Rob Gronkowski's existence is mayhem. <laughs> Do you know that he took the Super Bowl trophy from their most recent Super Bowl? And used it as a baseball bat and dented the trophy. Oh my gosh. He literally is mayhem. He's a party boy. He's crazy. I don't know if you paid any attention to when he joined the WWE for like a cup of coffee, basically. But he dove off of this high rafter thing and jumped on 10 people. Like he's just, he's an accident waiting to happen. And he's hilarious. Ugh. And... To your point, you expect him to retire. Sure. Well, that would free up some time oh, for to sure. do some commercials. So yeah. um, there is so much opportunity for people to just 
bust out laughing at commercials that he's in. So I, I hope I hope we see it someday. Listen, as long as they're not singing commercials, because I did watch him in The Masked Singer last year, which let me just say oh, I no. totally knew that it was him and it was not pretty. So Oh man. That's so funny. hey, as long as we leave those commercials to Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning and Gronk is doing some of the acrobatics and crazy stuff, I'm all here for it. Sure. All right. Okay, we've come to our final award of the night. We are at the award for most valuable player in 2020. You have the floor. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, and he will win the award. Uh, That's just not, that's not just, you know, my opinion. He will win the literal MVP award. Uh, 48 touchdowns and single-digit interceptions uh, is is impossible to do, yet he did it, again, with no receivers that were drafted in the first round. He made Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams might be a good receiver by himself at this point. He's worked his way up and, and really looks good, but there has just been so little offered to him over the years in comparison to what... Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers if you added Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to that team? I mean, my gosh, that would be unfair. Yeah. And he had, what was it, eight more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes with less weapons on a team that runs more. It's just, he just, to me, is so far and away the most valuable player in the league. Um, Green Bay would be absolutely nothing without him, which is why they have absolutely no business entertaining a trade request. You know, should they, should Aaron Rodgers demand one or request one or whatever? Um, He is the Green Bay Packers are Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's all they are. And if he leaves, they are nothing. Yeah. And to me, He's so good every year. And he even had a good year last year, but it was like a down year for him. He had like four touchdowns to every interception he had. And people were like, oh, it's not a very good year. Like what quarterbacks really do that? There's like three in the league. And so he has like six touchdowns to each interception this year. And like, he's so good. He's so good. He, you know, led the conference in wins. And if Matt LaFleur would have given him the ball on the last play of the game that would have mattered for them. Maybe they're playing against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I'm so frustrated for him. But anyway, the yeah. floor is yours. Who is your MVP? All right. Well, so here's the thing. I don't disagree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers will win that award. But if it were up to me, this is the award that I would give to Josh Allen. I mean, the kid has just absolutely surprised all of us he has improved beyond measure he has helped his team as one of the commentators said this past week he was one hail murray away from leading <laughs> his team to a 14 and 2 season um yeah. i mean this guy he 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 was their running back this season too he was not just their quarterback he was their running back he uh, has the fifth most yards, the fifth most touchdowns, and the third highest quarterback rating in the league this year. 
um, leaps and bounds beyond where he was the last two years and helped his team win their division for the first time in we can't even count how long. Um, I mean, just incredible, um, great leadership and just incredible way to go and just keep getting better. Um, I, I, I know that that's not all that the MVP takes into consideration, but I love it when you see a player who has improvement too. It's not just most improved, but it's also like, have you improved for the betterment of your team? Have you made your team better? Have you, you know, had success in the season? And I think that Josh Allen embodies all of those things. And I know that he's been a part of the MVP conversation, even if he doesn't win this year, I hope that he has another year where he uh, will win that award because man, oh man, he is deserving of some very high accolades. For sure. Just to give one comment on Josh Allen, because you had said he was their running back in the three postseason games. Josh Allen had more rushing yards. He had 30 more rushing yards than all of his running backs and the receivers that rushed the ball combined. Yep. He had more first downs rushing than the rest of the team rushing combined. He had more rushing touchdowns than the rest of the team rushing combined. And this is not a quarterback that runs all the time. He definitely runs, but he is a pass first quarterback. Mm-hmm, absolutely. He's not Lamar Jackson. That's not the same player. And there is no question the Bills have to get a running back. But yeah, Josh Allen was spectacular this year. So uh, to me, definitely Aaron Rodgers, but a, a strong argument can be made for Josh Allen. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we did it. Thanks we so did much it. for tuning in to our first annual pickoff awards. We are really looking forward to hearing who you think got it right. Uh, so make sure that you tune into our Instagram this weekend to cast your vote and let us know which player in each of these categories you think was the winner. And then we will let you know next week. Uh, who the popular opinion was. So uh, make sure to follow us at weekly pickoff on Instagram. We will post all the details on there and we're really looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say. So thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time here at the weekly pickoff. We'll see you guys next week. We're going to talk Super Bowl. Have a good one guys.